0: Welcome to the Distinct Poplar Audio Fiction Podcast, written and read by Matt Herzberg from DistinctPoplar.com. This episode is titled, My Mother When I Was Younger. Somewhere once, in a city that forgot to stay clean. My mother, when I was younger, was a beautiful person, with a bright and cheerful face that I would always remember. Her eyes said it all when she looked at me, quizzical and warm, with just the right hint of trouble. Her nose was slightly twisted, and her lips were large and full. She had thin, black hair that naturally curled slightly towards the ends, and she was unapologetically tall. She had these strange tattoos of lightning bolts that started on her arms and zigzagged all the way down to her legs where they continued towards her unapologetically large feet. My mother, when I was younger, was a kind woman who sought to have a reason for everything. She would say that when there was a storm, it meant that the world outside was crying When the wind would gasp and whine, when the rain fell in waves, when the sky became overcast with clouds, and the air became thick and gray. Why not? she always said. Doesn't everyone need a good cry once in a while? She was only saying this to cheer me up, to divert my attention, to make me feel like things were okay. Back then when it rained like this, I would build sofa forts with the cushions in the living room. Lifting the seats was easy, but they were huge to me back then. Each cushion was as wide as my arms could stretch, and when I dug them out I felt like a weightlifter from the circus. As I carried each cushion, I imagined that I was seven feet tall with shined black hair sticky from pomade. I wore a red-striped sleeveless one-piece bodysuit had a large muscles, thick like corded wire, and decorated with playing card tattoos. On my face was a big black mustache turned to points at the end. My specialty was hefting these giant oversized cushions, and I was really good at it. My mother and I draped a large white sheet from her king-size bed Over the top of my fort, she and I sat inside and listened to the windows rattle, the wind whistling, the rain spattering against the glass. I remember wondering what it was the world was so upset about. I remember wondering why it was getting worse. Where it always seemed as though this was a storm that was so bad, it sounded like it was trying to break its way in. The wind changed from a whine to a howl. The rain came in concentrated bursts instead of random downpour. The air turned from gray to green. When the power went out, my mother went for flashlights, and I remember becoming so scared for her safe return that I would cry until she came back. The sofa fort became claustrophobic to me instead of safe. Its cushioned walls appeared to be fragile and untrustworthy, as if they might suddenly slip and fall in on me at any moment. It became difficult to breathe with each passing second, and I was convinced my lungs were going to explode. I knew it from the horrible pain in my chest. My ears began to tingle, and I could feel the beating of my heart as if it had come to life between my temples and all it took was one loud falling crash of horrible thunder to make me cry out for her. My mother, when I was younger, had a new husband that insisted we keep the flashlights in the laundry room at the back of the house. We had two large appliances in the laundry room that looked and sounded identical but accomplished two different tasks, one washer and one dryer made of large squared metal and colored an awful pea green. My mother's new husband stuck our two flashlights above them with cuts of thick black electrical tape the size of my hand. This was his plan to keep me from getting at them. The flashlights were shaped like ice cream cones, complete with a waffle pattern on the handle, One was entirely made of red plastic, and the other was green. Even at seven years old, I was convinced there was some sort of forbidden treat involved. This was why they were missing that day, when my mother left our sofa fort, when the power went out. My mother, when I was younger, kept me under her kind and constant supervision, and for good reason, at six years old i started drinking teaspoon portions of blue colored glass cleaner i expected it to taste like mint and instead was routinely rushed to the hospital at age five i could often be found hiding in the garbage can i expected myself to be found quite clever and instead was routinely bathed and thoroughly disinfected when i was four i ran myself into walls when i was three I kicked strangers in the shins, when I was two I made it a habit of throwing my shoes. All of it was to keep my mother as close as possible to me, for when she went away, that's when the world outside started crying. That's why at seven I made the most of my moments alone. The flashlights were a simple matter of standing on top of full laundry baskets which I used to balance precariously against the washer or the dryer. Because I thought myself to be a mustached weightlifter, I purposely used only my upper body strength to drag myself hand by hand until rested on the appliance surface. I brought with me a butter knife, stored in Pant's back pocket, and drawn to cut through the electrical tape. Like a saw, I ground the knife back and forth until the dessert shaped flashlights were free. This was easier than one would think. I took them to the basement then and removed the excess sticky tape. Then I practiced turning the flashlights on and off. I practiced flashing the bulbs into my eyes. I practiced removing the batteries and storing them in my mouth. I practiced hiding the flashlights when my mother's new husband came home. My mother when I was younger was very good at anticipating me. When she left me in the sofa fort she ended up in the basement looking for the flashlights that I had hid out of spite. It didn't take long for me to run from the fort crying and scared, as the thunder threatened to topple everything in around me. Each boom crashed louder and louder, shaking the house, as if there were attacks from some horrible beast. The only thing I wanted in the world was to find her. Thunder can sometimes come in two parts. The first is the build-up, and then the second is the release. The first part is several quick snaps, as if it's a horrible beast rapidly moving around and crashing into whatever gets in its way. Then there's the horrible silence, where all the hairs on your arms and legs stand up straight. You inhale in hushes, you exhale in whispers, quickly, with closed eyes clenched. The beast is searching for you, and when you've been found, it attacks. The second part of thunder is a collision, a boom, an explosion all around you. I ran from every safe place I could find during those stomach-turning silences. When it was quiet, I ran away with my hands clamped over my ears, diving for cover when the beast had found its prey. Our basement existed from one door and a short flight of slippery wooden stairs heading down into the unknown. I was always made to descend these stairs slowly, and when I found my mother I discovered why. At first it was darkness, and when my eyes adjusted I saw her body, laying at the bottom, frozen, completely still. I tried to call out to her. I used her real name in case she was confused. There was no answer, and all around me I could hear the beast outside our house scurrying around, getting ready for another deafening crash. I decided to be quick instead of cautious. I grabbed the handrail connected to the wall and braced myself. My feet were in socks, and each step was like gingerly stepping onto a frozen pond. Step after step, I braced myself so that I wouldn't fall backwards. When I made it halfway, I heard something else instead of the second thundering crash. It was the wind, which howled around and around our house, stopping only for a second, the sound of it growing louder like a whistling tea kettle. My head felt light, My eyes drowsy, and my ears began to pop as the air all around us became heavy. I looked behind me just in time to see the laundry room windows explode in a shower of glass. Sparkles of light reflected as the wind carried a stream of glass and rain. The pressure of the blow pulled out all the air, making the door behind me slam shut with such a bang. The beast was in the house now. The beast was now with us, roaming around upstairs, smacking up against the walls while it searched for my mother. Then it was endlessly dark. I had no sense of space, as if my next step would be like jumping from a cliff. I was afraid. I felt around in the dark for her with my eyelids clamped shut. I thought that it would be better that way. I was scared. Above me and the rest of the house the wind was beginning to knock things over. I heard crashing glass and thudding furniture as if the beast paced back and forth, eluded by its prey. My mother seemed to regain consciousness at that point. My hands held at her arms in an attempt to pull her upright. Struggling was relieved when she came to and sat up on her own. I immediately went to her arms, frightened by the sounds of devastation that came from upstairs. The world was more than crying from sadness. The world was more than upset. The world was angry and violent. She rubbed her hand in circles at the small of my back, whispering into my ear that I should try to calm down. The skin on my face went cold, and I could feel my cheek twitch. What is it? I asked her. What's happening? The end, my darling, she whispered. The end. There was nothing but the darkness as we held our breath. I could feel the chill of her body from the sweat of her forehead, as she pressed it into mine. Then the door to the upstairs was ripped from its hinges and sucked away by the air. The darkness around us vanished into the light that blinded my eyes for a few seconds. I cringed and held my face away from the visage of the beast as it growled in the hum and squealing of our home being ripped to shreds one plank at a time. Mother turned me around away from her, I felt her hand in my back again, but it wasn't for reassurance. I was shoved hard and forced to run to keep from falling flat on my face. I regained momentum in time to glance back and watch as the beast descended slowly down the stairs in a path of devastation. It pulled the stairs off one by one, nails bent out, pieces of wood snapped, and the walls began to buckle. It moved like a wolf, but its front legs ended in long human hands with long human fingers. Its hind legs had paws, but they were angled so close to the others that the beast found it difficult to move in such close quarters. In place of fur, the body was covered in tendrils of grey cloud that shuffled and shifted to accommodate its awkward form. And when it reared its head to look down upon us, I discovered the terrible visage of the creature that all but grinned when it spotted us. The beast was a creature of eyes for a face. A dozen or so yellow slits ignited furiously with bright flashes like lightning, and the rapid-fire sound of the air all around us popping. Each eye was a different size, and each sat in a specific place, three to a side in a row, two smaller for nostrils, and a large thick yellow eye in place of its mouth, a beard of short eyelashes under its chin. All of the eyes narrowed on its prey as it awkwardly pushed itself downward to get us. My mother's head was heavy and weighted as she kneeled to the storm. Our eyes locked, she wouldn't break my gaze. Not even as the ceiling exploded and the rest of the house was wrenched into the sky in a new spew of debris as the beast came crashing down. And still, she did not look away. I remember the ends of her hair dancing furiously around her face at first. The light moved like we were underwater. The long arms of the beast wrapped around her shoulders, and the human hands held her painfully in place. She reached out to me as the beast scooped her up, all of its eyes on its face closed at once and it perched with its hind legs pressured to spring upward. In one giant effort, it leapt straight up. Her eyes went wide as she was lifted into the air. My mother, when I was younger, looked at me for the last time. Then she was gone, disappearing into the cold gray sky. You've been listening to My Mother When I Was Younger by Matt Herzberg. Copyright September 6, 2017. Some of the music for this episode was done by Puddle of Infinity. For more episodes like this one, as well as ebooks and other details about the city of Distinct Poplar, feel free to visit our website at distinctpoplar.com.